न तेरा वन चारी जय राधा माधव कुंज बिहारी हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Bhagavatam, Canto Six, Chapter Seventeen, Text Twenty-Three. The Tapita Shakti Visarga Esham. Oh, really? Twenty-four. Ah, huh? that's interesting. Yeah. Well, actually. Day before yesterday, twenty-second was covered, isn't it? And yesterday I didn't take the class. I mean, I took on a different topic. So I used to. Uh, those of you who were there when day before yesterday was it twenty-two or twenty-three? Anyone knows? Because I checked on YouTube. I checked the Saturday class. Sorry, not the Saturday. The Friday class that was on twenty-second. So I talked with Gopinandesh Prabhu because if I take a different verse yesterday. Then, uh, then the, your flow will get disrupted. But he said it's okay. You can take a verse about Shri Prabhupada. 
Yeah, no problem. I think many of you may have your phones. Okay, let me just add. So this is. I just want to make sure I'm not speaking the same words twice, isn't it? Can you check on your YouTube? Friday, yeah, sure. Okay. So. Can't project here. So this is 23rd verse. Tathapita shakti visarga esham. Sukhaya dukhaya hita hitaya. Bandhaya mokshaya chamrutya janmano. Shari-rinam samsmrutaye avakalpate. Tathapitat-shakti-visarga-esham. Sukhaya-dukhaya-hita-hitaya. Bandhaya mokshaya chamrityu janmayu no. Shari-rinam samsmutaye avakalpate. Would you like to recite if you have? We'll do less, just one one body can recite. Because we don't have, everybody can't recite. Yeah. Tathapita shakti visarga esham Sukhaya dukhaya hita hitaya Andhaya mokshaya chamrutyu janmano Sharirinam samsmutaye kalpate Shakti Visarga Esham Sukhaya Dukhaya Hita Hitaya Andhaya Mokshaya Chamrityu Janmano Sharirinam Samsmutaye Vakalpate Tathapita shakti visharga esham Sukhaya dukhaya hita hitaya Bandhaya mokshaya chamrityu janmano Shari-rinam samskutayevakalpate. Vishnu is? Tathapita shakti visharga esham. Sukhaya dukhaya chahita hitaya. Bandhaya mokshaya chamrityu janmano. Shari-rinam samsmutayevakalpate. Tathapita shakti visarga esham. 
लॉर्ड्स एनर्जी विसर्ग द क्रिएशन Esham of these conditioned souls, sukhaya for the happiness, dukhaya for the distress, hita hitaya for the profit and loss, bandhaya for the bondage. Mokshaya for the liberation. Cha also. Mrityu of death. Janmano and birth. Shaririyam of all those who accept material bodies. Samsmutaye for the repetition. Avakalpate acts. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. Translation. Although the Supreme Lord is unattached to our happiness and distress, according to karma, and although no one is his enemy or favorite, he creates pious and impious activities through the agency of his material potency. Thus, for the continuation of the materialistic way of life, he creates happiness and distress, good fortune and bad, bondage and liberation, birth and death. Purport. Although the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the ultimate doer of everything, in his original transcendental existence, he is not responsible for the happiness and distress or bondage and liberation of the conditioned souls. These are due to the results of the fruitive activities of the living entities within this material world. By the order of a judge, one person is released from jail and another is imprisoned. But the judge is not responsible for the distress and happiness of these different people. It is due to their own activities. Although the government is ultimately the supreme authority, justice ad is administered by the departments of the government and the government is not responsible for the individual judgments. Therefore, the government is equal to all the citizens. Similarly, the Supreme Lord is neutral to everyone. But for the maintenance of law and order, his Supreme Government has various departments which control the activities of the living entities. Another example given in this regard is that lilies open or close because of the sunshine. And thus the bumblebees enjoy or suffer. But the sunshine and the sun globe are not responsible for the happiness and distress of the bumblebees. ओम ज्ञानतिरंधस्यज्ञानाजनिशलाकाय चक्षुरोन्मील तस्म श्रीगुरव नम नमा ओम विष्णुपदा 
कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी इति नामिने नमस्ते सारस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्य देशतारिने वांचाकल्पतरुभस्च कृपासिंधुभ्य एवच पतितानाम पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासादिगौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Hare Krishna. So today, the Bhagavatam is addressing one of the most difficult theological questions that the human mind has ever had to ponder. And this is not just a philosophical question, it is a question that is close to the experience of every one of us. and that question we could phrase it as where is god amid the world's suffering or we could put it more precisely where is god amid our distresses our suffering so that what is his role how why does he not intervene is he intervening and i'm not perceiving what what is happening so we'll try to discuss this topic today and i'll talk about it in three broad parts So the first point, which is emphasized in this verse, we can phrase it as, Krishna is the cause of all causes, but not the cause of all effects. Krishna is the cause of all causes, sarva karana karanam. Everything that has causal potency, everything that has the potent capacity to cause something to happen that capacity f- comes from krishna in the sense that he in that sense he is the cause of all causes however he is not the cause of all effects the example given in the vedan sutra is that the rain is the cause of all vegetation that grows on the earth but the rain is not the cause of the specific vegetation that grows at specific places weeds may go at one place and uh, crops may grow at some place that depends on what has been sown in the ground before so this implies that in this world when distresses come upon us uh, it is it is not a very straightforward analysis that okay that why is god doing this to me sometimes people ask why is god doing this to me you know why did god give me this cancer why did god cause me to lose a loved one why did god cause me to lose my job uh, well sometimes some question itself is wrong what that means is that the 
in one sense the questioning spirit the inquisitive spirit is good but the way some questions are framed that may not be the best way to get answers so we can sometimes no question is bad okay we may say like that no question is bad except the question that leaves no door open for good answers that means say if somebody is remember one one young boy had come to meet me once and he was just uh, he told me about he faced a lot of problems his mother had passed away when he was born and then his father passed away in an accident when he was going to pick him up from school and then he was living with some relatives and then they faced a lot of problems and then he had been handed over to uh, multiple people and then he asked me he says am i bad or am i bad luck so now it it is a very terrible state to be in where the only question is you know am i bad luck or am i just bad said because of me all these bad things are happening to others so now this is a bad question because it does not leave you any option for a good answer or if somebody is angry with someone you know are you stupid or are you evil <laughs> well, you are not leaving any other option itself so sometimes if the way we phrase a question can limit the range of answers available so instead of asking why is god causing this in my life we need to ask a more fundamental question is god really the cause of these things in my life so the way we phrase our questions determines how much understanding we can get and sometimes we may not even be conscious of the question that is filling our consciousness shila prabhupada writes in the first canto purport that the whole universe is filled with questions and answers so sometimes we say no some people say i don't have many questions that's fine we may not have any articulated or articulable questions but we can say whatever we are interested in so suddenly we hear some noise behind and we look behind that means we have a question what happened over there so there may not be an articulated question but the questions always there and sometimes we may not be aware of what question is driving us so if we are asking the wrong question in the sense that that the question is phrased in such a way that it presumes certain answers so why is god causing this to me why is god doing this well the relationship of krishna with the world is complex and could say that our so when i said krishna is not the cause of all effects he is the cause of all causes what that means is that we have free will and we have the capacity to exercise our free will now the extent of our capacity is determined by our past karma so if i get angry i may just yell at some people if the if the president of russia gets angry he can throw a nuclear discharge a nuclear weapon at some people isn't it so the amount of destruction that we can cause depends on the our past karma which has determined our present capacity mm? and this our capacities come from krishna as a soul i can't control matter but by my past karma krishna gives me a certain amount of capacity to control matter 
that is called my kshetra so so a dist, uh, a tyrant's capacity to do evil comes from krishna but the tyrant's evil actions don't come from krishna have the difference is clear that the capacity to do something so like you can say take a contemporary example of scientists scientists you know if a weapon of mass destruction is made the weapons of mass destruction are made by scientists but mass destruction is not caused by scientists mass destruction is caused by politics political leaders or whoever are using those weapons so we could say that without no scientists that destruction would not happen that's true but that does not mean the scientists cause the destruction people are very you can't blame science for the misuse of science people are very assertive about that but then we turn the same thing to religion no you know you can't the the science can't be held responsible for its misuse then the religion also can't be held responsible for its misuse but that i don't know religion is intrinsically bad well, it just it's not it's just the our biases that shape how we look at things but the point is that the our own capacity also to do bad things now we all may have desires that we may not be proud of but not all of us have the facility to act on those desires now, for most people morality is simply lack of opportunity <laughs> that <laughs> i am not being immoral not because i am such a moral person but because i have not much ability to not capacity to do immoral things it's mm. why in today's world one of the favorite pastimes of people is to bash politicians now politicians are all terrible people well maybe but who knows if we got the kind of power that politicians have can we guarantee that we won't misuse that power so the kind of pressures that come the kind of temptations that come Uh, the challenges that are there so every so it's not that politicians are a separate species who is particularly evil so they are also part of the human species and we all are vulnerable to evil so the the bad things that happen in life are due to misuse of the facilities that have been given by god so in that sense he is the cause of all causes but not the cause of all effects now of course specifically it's very difficult to know okay when i am facing this distress what exactly caused it what was the wrong thing that i did what was the wrong thing that someone else did what exactly happened so but the important thing is this first point is krishna is the cause of all causes not the cause of all effects and that's why we can't hold krishna responsible for our problems mm-hmm. that uh, now does that mean that krishna is uninvolved or unconcerned about our problems no not necessarily actually in this regard i'll go to the second point now that for us more underst- more important then understanding krishna precisely is to experience krishna positively more important than understanding krishna precisely now what exactly is krishna doing over here that's important but more important than that is experiencing krishna positively 
So, what does this mean? That Krishna says, what to speak of understanding Him? Even understanding the working of karma is very difficult. Gahana karmanogati. So broadly, we can we can see Krishna's role in the world as in the world sufferings primarily in three different ways. One is he's the cause of the suffering. Second is he's the comforter amid the suffering. And third is he's the cure for the suffering. Now, first is we consider he is the cause of the suffering. Are there any pastimes where we can see Krishna as the cause of the suffering? Any tenth canto pastimes? Sorry? His parents became? Okay, yeah, his parents had to go through a lot of distress. They lost six children, seven in fact, you can say. Mm. So, okay. Still we can say that was, that was the way things worked. But it's not that Krishna killed all the other children, isn't it? You know, so, you could say that in, by some chain of causality, Krishna is the cause. Mm. But... Do we see anywhere Krishna is a direct cause of anyone's suffering? Sorry? He killed Pondraka. So, for, yeah, for example, he kills demons. Well, that is, Krishna says openly, you know, So, that he does that. And I'll talk about demons a little later. But let's talk about any devotee. Anybody is trying to be a devotee. We mentioned gopis. Yes, that's probably the most direct example. Where Krishna it seems by his own choice went away. Mm. We could even say another festival that just happened recently. Govardhan Puja. So it seems Krishna deliberately planned to humiliate Indra. Isn't it? First he took away his, his uh, yagya, his puja, and then he just seemed to take away his power. So Krishna didn't take away his power. Krishna took away the effectiveness of his power. His so, it seems that Krishna is causing the suffering in this case. Now, there are other cases where devotee's suffering is caused by something clearly different from Krishna. Or even something clearly opposite to Krishna. Or someone clearly opposite to Krishna. Can you think of an example of that? Duryodhan causing the sufferings of the Pandavas. Or specifically you can say Draupadi. Anyone else from the Bhagavatam? Prahlad, yes. So, Prahlad is here. Here there is uh, Hiranyakashipu and here there is Narasimhadev. So, Prahlad's suffering was caused by Hiranyakashipu. Here we see an agent clearly different from, and not just different from, but opposed to, openly opposed to Krishna. Sometimes, the agent of our suffering may not directly be Krishna, but may not be directly opposed to Krishna. It may be someone who is either pious, nominally devoted to Krishna, or sometimes even someone who is actually devoted to Krishna. Can you give an example? Can you think of an example of that? The Yagik Brahmanas. So, Sorry, Yagi Brahmanas providing? 
So they cause suffering to whom? To the Gopas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. They. Mm, well, in this, that's a. It's a. Well, it's an appropriate example. It's an accurate example, but not a relevant example. Because in that sense, it is not that the Gopas had to learn a particular lesson. It's more that the Yagi Brahmanas had to learn a lesson. We could consider any other examples. Sorry. Akrura, how? Okay, for the gopi's perspective, Akrura is a devotee, but he's causing them suffering. Yes, that's a good example. Yeah. No. Bhishma's passivity. Yeah, okay, he's, he's not an agent there directly, but he's consenting to it in one sense. So I was thinking of some things like, say, Shringi, causing the suffering of Parikshit. He cursed. Hmm? Now, Shringi is not an evil person. See, when bad people do bad things, it's relatively easier to accept it. But when good people do bad things, that is much more difficult to accept. Hmm? For example, as if you are practicing Bhakti, and some materialistic or atheistic person criticizes us, condemns us, now that, okay, it's, it's painful, it's distressing, but still, yeah, that person has a different value system. And from that person's value system, yeah, they're likely to criticize. But if you come to a temple and some devotee criticizes us, devotee vehemently criticizes or condemns us, that is much more difficult, isn't it? So that is what has happened here to Chitraketu. That... Uh, Chitraketu here has been cursed by Parvati. So you could put it this way that if broadly you can put this in like four different categories. If it is some demon or some demoniac person, some materialistic person causing our suffering, it's distressing, but okay, we, it's somewhat expected. You know, if the cause is just uh, like non-personal in the sense that say we have the case where sometimes there is a pandemic, sometimes there is a tsunami, sometimes there is a natural disaster. Then also, okay, it just happens. It's okay. We deal with it. If Krishna is the cause of suffering, you know, we may just... That's a little difficult to accept. But still, it's Krishna, you know. I can't question his actions. But if devotees become the cause of our suffering, that is the most difficult to bear. That is, in fact, you know, this pastime, we can say, is the most relevant for us as devotees. Because for all of us, we'll find most of our distress, if you consider Adhyatmic, Adhibhautik, Adhidaivik, among these distresses, the Adhibhautik distress that we get. We mostly l live in the devotee community. Even if not physically in the devotee community, most of our socializing happens in the devotee community. And quite often, if we have a, some quota of Adibhautik karma to come, then that will have to come through devotees only. <laughs> so, this is extremely difficult. How can a devotee behave like this? How can a devotee speak like this? Sometimes devotees may gossip, sometimes devotees may spread some rumors. And you say, you know, that becomes extremely difficult to bear. So now, of course, there are multiple ways in which we can deal with this. But so, so I'm, I analyze this to talk about, there are multi sometimes we can say Krishna is the cause directly. 
But in many cases, we don't see Krishna as the cause. So, for us, the other situation could be Krishna is the comforter amid the suffering. Now, comforter means we see Prahlad Maharaj. What happened to him was he was absorbed in the remembrance of the Lord. And because of that, Krishna protected him. Now, I'm using the word comforter in an inclusive sense. He was miraculously protected from suffering also. But for us, even if there's no such miraculous intervention, sometimes we are in great distress and then we come to the temple and we hear some katha or we take the darshan, we participate in kirtan and suddenly the suffering doesn't seem to trouble us so much. It's like there is cold but you put on the comforter, the cold goes down substantially. So that is Krishna as a comforter. And we all will experience some comfort, some relief from suffering by turning our consciousness toward Krishna. So that is the second role of Krishna. Krishna is the comforter. <coughs> and the third is Krishna is the cure for our suffering. Now Krishna can cure our suffering by just miraculously removing the suffering. But Krishna can cure our suffering also by manifesting as Krishna Katha which draws our consciousness towards him. Not just temporarily but permanently by increasing our attraction towards him. And that is the focus of the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam's focus is Parikshit Maharaj was cursed and there was no miraculous intervention to protect him from the curse itself. But Krishna intervened to absorb his consciousness in transcendence, in him. And that's how when the snake bird, Taksha, came and bit Parikshit Maharaj, he had already left his body. His consciousness already absorbed in Krishna. His body burned, but his soul was already liberated. So for all of us, now, I said, I said that more important than understanding Krishna precisely is experiencing Krishna positively. That means, if a particular suffering is coming in our life, now is Krishna the cause of the suffering? Well, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. When I say Krishna is not the cause of suffering, we sometimes we say oh, Krishna is teaching me some lesson through this. Well, yes, that that there are always lessons to be learned from every situation. But the point is that is Krishna causing that thing to happen, or is it our own mistakes because of which is happening? Is it because of somebody else's misdeed that it is happening? See, when we start seeing Krishna as the cause, then that may make us see Krishna negatively. And if that starts happening, then that is pratikul to our devotion. Anukulyena Krishnanushilanam. Bhakti is meant to be done favorably toward Krishna. So for us, if we start if we start presuming uh, Krishna is doing this, it is Krishna's will, how dare you question it? Well, not necessarily. Everything that happens is not necessarily Krishna's will. It is Krishna's sanction. Krishna is allowing it to happen, but it's not, it's not necessarily that Krishna wants it to happen. Like I mentioned, when Draupadi is being disrobed, it is not that Krishna who is impelling Dushasana to disrobe Draupadi and then Krishna is coming and providing Sari to Draupadi. It's not like that. So, 
some we may there are there are times when a devotee may see krishna as the cause of the suffering and then immediately krishna see devotee sees that yeah, krishna is teaching me some lesson through this krishna is because i was not ready to learn this krishna is teaching me this lesson so that is one way of looking at it so krishna is the cause of the suffering and parikshit maharaj at one place says in the bhagavatam that it is krishna who has come as this as a snake bird but that is not the only way to look at suffering so if, if we see in the first canto itself and parikshit maharaj is talking with the bull and the cow at that time he asked them okay what is the cause of your suffering now at one level this whole conversation seems absurd it was even ridiculous is the bull and the cow could says are you blind can't you see this this wild person is beating us and you are asking us what is the cause of your suffering what kind of perverse person are you but the bull understands that he is not asking him just physically not that not not at the immediate level of perception he is asking him at a deeper level what is the cause of your suffering and it is this it is this question that is addressed by the bull and what is the dharma's answer dharma is the bull answer so basically he says the cause of suffering is unknowable and when he says that what is parikshit maharaj's response bravo well done so here ignorance is appreciated well it's not exactly ignorance is appreciated what is appreciated is the humility that stops one from casting blame on others now it is not that parikshit maharaj will not hold the whole kali personified kali personified that, that wild person he will hold him responsible he will punish him but parichit maharaj is also checking the consciousness of the bull and then he cries your your dharma so sometimes a devotee may see the cause of suffering as indeterminate indeterminate means that it is not possible for me to determine the cause of the suffering and at that time the devotee's focus is more on on turning toward krishna for comfort and for cure so that's why i said understanding krishna's actions precisely is not as important is krishna causing this well who knows maybe maybe not but is krishna there for me to comfort me in this situation well yes we can turn toward krishna we can remember krishna and we can experience relief amid the suffering however if we see krishna only as a comforter for our suffering then we may also run into problems because there are times when we may seem to lose taste in bhakti that means we chant but we just don't experience anything we come in kirtan and we just don't feel like dancing we feel not only don't we feel like dancing we feel why is everyone else dancing you know when we are unhappy sort of question why is everyone so happy so we just experience a complete emptiness in the christian tradition this is sometimes called as the dark night of the soul 
the dark night of the soul means what that the soul doesn't experience the light and warmth of god at all it is one thing to lose external facilities we may lose our health we may lose our uh, wealth we may lose some lose a loved one that's bad enough but if we start it seems as if we are losing our inner our connection with krishna our taste for krishna that is actually a far greater test and to pass this test we need to in one sense recalibrate our expectation that yes krishna do, krishna does act as a comforter but that comfort may not be manifest all the time and that is not because krishna makes himself inaccessible always that may also be just because our mind is affected by the modes and we can't perceive krishna and that's why the focus of the bhagavatam is in the third aspect that whatever be the distress i am facing right now krishna is the ultimate cure now when we talk about krishna as the cure also there are two different ways of understanding this sometimes like krishna is the cure means i have this problem and his problem will immediately go away well it doesn't work like that that is the karma kanda expectation uh devotee's expectation is somewhat different your cure means that krishna will ultimately take me to a place that is free from all suffering so whatever karma may get me to krishna will get me through so that is a devotee's focus parikshit maharaj it took him 7 days he talked about the pan the vasudev and devki it took them several years to have krishna and after even after krishna came in their life krishna went away to rindavan but it eventually happened vashila prabhupad prabhupad when he was in india as i mentioned yesterday's class again and again he was experiencing distress in the sense that none, none of his endeavors were being successful and prabhupad writes that the chaitanya charitamrut is my solace in his uh, letters in the diary that he wrote at the time of his travel during jalduta he says that that is remembering the instructions of my spiritual master and reading chaitanya charitamrut that is giving me succor that is giving me strength so here the limbs of bhakti connect us with krishna and that gives us some comfort and the cure ultimately is krishna cure can be krishna can free us from the inner impurities krishna can remove the distress and krishna can ultimately free us from material existence itself so for us when we are practicing bhakti krishna is the cause krishna is the comfort krishna is the cure we have to see which vision of krishna is favorable for our devotion which vision inspires us to open our heart to krishna and we take that vision and that is why one of the principles of bhakti surrender this is the last point now which i make that devotional intelligence means to seek that explanation which opens our heart to krishna not closes our heart to him tadami buddhi yogam tam yena mam upayantite krishna says that i'll give you the intelligence by which you can come to me so for each one of us in every situation it is important for us the same situation could have many different explanations but we need to seek that explanation 
which is favorable for our devotion, for our service. When Srila Prabhupada was in America, he, after great effort, he had reached America. After great struggle, even danger, he had started getting some following in America. And Prabhupada wanted some support from India. And what happened was, he just got no support. At that time, the India, India was not so liberalized in terms of economy. So foreign exchange was at a premium. Getting money out of India was very difficult. So the Prabhupada, just by writing letters from America, got, got, got a sponsor for, build, for building a center in America. When Padambat Singhania was ready. But the Indian government was not ready to release the stock exchange, release the luxury. So Prabhupada wrote to his godbrother. One of his godbrothers, he was also quite influential. He had met the president of India. So he said, you please approach the president. Prabhupada directly written to the president. But the president gets so many letters, he may not have read it. So he said, you please approach the president and please ask him to release this. And Prabhupada said, his godbrother didn't even bother to reply to him. He wrote again and again, nothing happened. And then one of his God brother's disciples said, Swamiji, I want to come to come to assist you in the West. And then he then he wrote back and he said, Prabhupada said, that's welcome. He said, I, uh, you take the you take the blessings of your spiritual master and then you come. He says, You know, no, no. Uh, you know, can I come there first and then you can inform my spiritual master I'll come there. So Prabhupada said, No, we don't I shouldn't have to do that. He said that we are all working in the mission of Bhaktisvara Thakur. You tell your spiritual master and then he will give blessings. And he wrote to his spiritual master, he talked to his spiritual master. His spiritual master almost like uh, poisoned his mind. He said, Bhaktisvara Swami, he was never actually a part of the Gaudiya mission. He was always a very independent, whimsical kind of person. You know, we served Prabhupada, we served, for them Prabhupada is Bhaktisvara Thakur. We served Prabhupada throughout our life. When Prabhupada was alive, Prabhu, when Prabhupada was alive, this Abhay Babu hardly even bothered to come to meet Prabhupada. Once a year, he would sometimes come and meet Prabhupada. You think he knows Prabhupada's mission better than us? If you want to be whimsical, go and follow him. And the way he wrote it, now his disciple, means this particular, this Brahmachari, he said, Swamiji, your mission is not bona fide. That's what he wrote to Prabhupada. So now, all of these could have been crushing blows. Now, what did Prabhupada see this? Prabhupada could have said, you know, oh, money is not coming, resources are not coming. Maybe Krishna doesn't want me to preach. But Prabhupada saw it differently. Prabhupada saw it as, Krishna wants me to concentrate all my energies on these Western students. So if, if the mission is going to spread, it is without any help from anyone. Uh, back home in India. So Prabhupada, that, it was crushing. But Prabhupada saw that distress in a way that was favorable for his devotion and favorable for his service. So that is what we need to do. I'll give two examples of this and then we'll conclude. We can have some questions. As devotees, say when, with, for example, Vidura. Vidura was severely chastised. Uh, by Duryodhana. He says, you, know, you are an agent of the enemy. You know, who asked you to come here? Get out of here and go with nothing except your breath. Now, this is a grievous insult. Now, Vidura, how did he see this? He, he, now, obviously it was 
Duryodhana speaking it. But Vidura also saw it as Krishna arranging for him so that he would no longer be obliged to fight in the Kurukshetra war on the side of the Kauravas. If he had been there on their side, he would have to fight. So he decided not to fight. Or he got the he saw that as an opportunity to be disentangled. But he also saw that he, he saw that Duryodhana was more or less irredeemable, but the Trashtra was still redeemable. And that's why when Vibhishan was rejected by Ravan, Vibhishan came over to Ram's side. But when Vidura was rejected by the Duryodhan, Vidura did not come over to the Pandava side. Vidura just remained neutral and went on pilgrimage. Because eventually he came back and he delivered the Dhrashtra. If Vidura had gone to the Pandava side and had been, had been a part of the people who killed Dhrashtra's sons, Dhrashtra would not have been ready to hear from the, for such a person. So the point is that we need to, whenever we face distress, whenever we face suffering, it is for us to use our God-given intelligence to seek an explanation that opens our heart to Krishna. That by opening our heart to Krishna here, I mean, that helps us to see how we can continue our service to Krishna. That shows us some service opportunity therein for us, for Krishna. And with this approach, we, we will find that suffering, rather being an impediment in our relationship with Krishna, will actually become a catalyst for our relationship with Krishna. And another <clears throat> example we can consider is actually even more uh, problematic in one sense. We consider Yudhishthir Maharaj. Yudhishthir's case is actually, it's described in the Bhagavatam, but it's described much more in the Mahabharata. We say Yudhishthir Maharaj was afflicted by a sense of guilt that, and he was not ready to become the king. Now what was his guilt? See, generally people who have a high, high, high level of consciousness, a strong moral sense, we, we may think that a person has a high moral sense, they will never do wrong. But the nature of the world is anybody can slip. But those who have a high moral sense, when they do something wrong, it hurts them extremely. People who have a low moral sense, they do wrong and it hurts others and they don't even notice it themselves. It's like that. So, when so many people were killed in the war, Yudhishthir felt, you know, was the war really worth it? Now, because of his high moral sense, he said, you know, this whole thing started because I gambled. And then in this war, Drona had planned to kill, uh, Drona had planned to capture me and, make the, and made the Chakrabhyo for that. But, I sent Abhimanyu to break the Chakrabhyo. And Abhimanyu was trapped. He says, what kind of king am I? What kind of king can I be? You know, I lost all the wealth that our family had got. I caused the death of my own nephew. I am not worth being a king. And I just don't want to. So at that time, what everybody tried to console him. And it didn't work. Even Krishna tried to console him. Apparently it didn't work. But then Bhishma spoke. Now what Bhishma spoke, various acharyas analyzed in different ways. Uh, but importantly, 
Here, what is happening is, suffering has come because of one's own actions. Now, of course, we can say that Yudhishthir may be, not maybe, Yudhishthir is, is overestimating the, his role in the problem. It was not he caused the war. Duryodhana caused the war. But still, you can say that he could have stayed in the forest. Why did he leave the kingdom? He could have thought like that. So sometimes, especially for people who have a, have a high conscience or a high moral sense, when a problem, when suffering comes because of one's own mistakes, then that can actually be the worst kind of suffering. Because such people, suffering has come and after that, because of their high moral sense, they will keep beating themselves up. Beating themselves up again and again and again. Now yes, being aware of our mistakes, having some remorse for our mistakes, all that is good. But if we start beating ourselves down, then who is going to pick us up? So that has to stop. So at that time, you have to say that, okay, uh, now Yudhishthir was not a gambling addict. At that, he was first pressured into gambling by the instruction of Dhritarashtra through Vidura. And then he was goaded to gamble more and more by Duryodhana, by Duryodhana and Shakuni and others. Now this does not free him from culpability. Of course from transcendental perspective you can say it was all Krishna's plan. But from his perspective, even if he is responsible, he's not solely responsible. So those who are, uh, those who are as I said, have a low moral conscience, they take very little responsibility for their problems. And those who have a very high moral conscience, they may take too much responsibility, too much blame for their own problems. And both can be dangerous. So at that time, when if we are putting too much blame on others or we are putting too much blame on ourselves. Especially when putting too much blame on ourselves. What does Bhishma say? Bhishma says, Tasyanubhito Rajan. And Prabhupada translates this as, everything is within Krishna's plan. It's a, it's a very precise translation. I looked into the original. Um, I got actually the dictaphone recordings of Srila Prabhupada. And so it, it is, Prabhupada doesn't say everything is Krishna's plan. Therefore, everything is within Krishna's plan. What he means by that is that Yudhishthira, even if you committed some mistakes, those mistakes are also within Krishna's plan. It's not that Krishna wanted you to commit the mistakes, but they are within Krishna's plan. And Krishna's plan for now, for you now, is to take the responsibility of giving. Anatha pahi natha prabho. That all the praja is anath right now. People have become orphans. And you need to become their nath. You need to take responsibility. And you play your part in the Lord's plan. So this is where we don't just see Krishna as the cure. But we see Krishna as the cure acting even through us. No matter how unworthy we may be. This means that as devotees, here, we may have committed mistakes and that's why we may be suffering. But we shouldn't be blaming ourselves also too much. We shouldn't be beating ourselves up down for our, our mistakes. If we are doing that, then we are acting as our own enemy. We have to see ultimately, Krishna still loves me, Krishna is still with me. And Krishna's plan is still working in my life and Krishna's plan is, can still work through me. And that's why sometimes, 
we may, if we become too self-conscious, we start becoming so conscious of our faults that we are no longer conscious of Krishna. We see sometimes Amara, Jeevan, Sada, Paparad, Bhakti, Thakur, Singh, Swami, like that. But their consciousness is not observed in their own faults. It's not absorbed in their own faults. Their consciousness is absorbed in Krishna. They're talking about their faults so that they can feel the need for Krishna and for more fervently call out to Krishna. But sometimes we get so caught in our own mistakes that then we become negatively self-conscious. To become positively self-conscious is, or rather uh, positively in the sense, here I'm, I'm using positive, not in the positive sense. That means, I am so great, why do I need Krishna? I am so bad, what can Krishna do for me? Even Krishna can't help me. So both are dangerous uh, distractions created by our mind. And in this situation also we need to see Krishna is still the cure for my suffering. And if I keep practicing bhakti, so dami buddhi yogam tam. Okay, yeah, I made some mistakes. But you know, there are other circumstances also which led to these mistakes leading to esca uh, ex escalated consequences. And I have learned as much as I can, I'll try to avoid those mistakes. Let me continue practicing bhakti. So for us, that is the most important thing. Where is Krishna amid distress? Krishna is with us, within us, helping us go through that distress and grow through that distress. So rather than focusing too much on the cause, whether it is Krishna, whether it is us, whatever it is, we focus on the fact that Krishna is there to help us go through that suffering. And that is what will help us stay Krishna conscious in all situations and thereby tolerate and eventually transcend our suffering. So I'll summarize. I spoke today in the topic of where is God amid our suffering? And I talked three points. First is Krishna is the cause of all causes, not the cause of all effects. So when specific distresses come in our life, they may be due to our misdeeds, they may be due to our mistakes or misdeeds, somebody else's mistakes or misdeeds, or a complex combination of all those things. It is not Krishna necessarily who is causing every suffering. It's like the rain is not responsible for the specific vegetation on the ground. And second part is to say that more important than understanding Krishna precisely is experiencing Krishna positively. So we could see Krishna as the cause of our suffering, the comf our comf comforter amid suffering, and our cure amid our suffering. So sometimes seeing him as the cause, and then he's, like in Indra's case, Krishna caused that suffering so that Indra would become free from it. So if you can see the cause and see a lesson to be learned from it, and that helps us stay positive toward Krishna, then we can see Krishna as the cause. But if we don't see any lesson to be learned at that time, then no need to see Krishna as the cause. We can say that like, like the bull, I say that the cause of suffering is indeterminate. Then we focus on Krishna is the comforter. We try to absorb ourselves in Krishna through the, through whichever limbs of bhakti we feel most connected with Krishna through. And we get comfort amid our suffering. And that experience of relief will keep us positively disposed toward Krishna. And in some rare occasions, even that comfort may not come. Like the dark night of the soul. When we seem to lose our taste in Krishna. At that time, we need to see Krishna as the cure for our suffering. That although I am not experiencing any relief, I am getting purified. I am getting purified and Krishna will eventually deliver me.
my immediate problems may not go away but the impurities are going away every day that i am practicing bhakti krishna is taking me towards a cure so the last part then based on this itself is that we need to use our intelligence to seek an explanation that opens our heart to krishna not closes our heart so seeing when when distresses come in our life parik prabhupad saw when nobody was ready to help him in india he saw that as oh krishna wants me to focus entirely on the people in the west and so work with them when duryodhana insulted vidura his vidura saw that as an opportunity to not have to fight on duryodhana's side when yudhishthir saw the catastrophe caused by war bhishma helped him to see that this is not this is, you are not responsible for this for what has happened but you have the opportunity to fix what has happened therefore take on the service of a king so in this way in different situations the we need to use our intelligence to see how krishna is providing us an opportunity for service in that situation also and thus we can stay krishna conscious and grow toward krishna in all situations thank you very much hare krishna are there any questions or comments yes please differently also. so can we say that krishna is the cause of all effects well here terminology is important as i said that within the causal system that krishna has created that <coughs> that it is krishna is not personally causing our suffering or you can put it krishna is not our enemy who wants us to suffer yeah that is the key point to understand when i say that krishna is not the cause not the cause of all effects that means the way souls use free will that free will the use of the free will is not to is not determined by krishna so is to give uh, now is this cricket world cup is going on so take a cricket example say one batsman is in great form and another batsman is very poor form so that poor form batsman will strike and batsman hits the ball and the ball goes and uh, other batsman good form hits the ball and this batsman poor form is on the other side that ball goes and hits the other ba- other batsman's bat and it ricochets and goes and hits the stumps and they are running and this person gets out says so this it was just a accidental way that the person got out you know so 
I think you're getting what I'm saying. Yes. The non-striker sometimes gets out because the ball ricochets from the bat to the stumps. So now that is accidental. It is not that that batsman deliberately planned that yeah, I want to get you out and I do like this. Yeah. So if the batsman had not hit the shot, that non-striker would not have got out. But it is not that the batsman caused the non-striker to get out. So similarly, the point I'm making is that I also mentioned that point that this Krishna is the primary cause. The secondary cause is their capacity to produce effects comes from Krishna. But the specific effects that come from them, they are not determined by Krishna. Yep. So, yes, Krishna in that sense, so if you are seeing the capacity to produce effects, that's definitely coming from Krishna. But the specific effects are not. Okay. Yep. It's, a, it's a choice of that soul. Yeah, that is the choice of that soul. Yes. Thank you, Prabhu. Please, Prabhu, how you were, when we when we hear about you know how Prabhupada uh, went through so much of distresses and he saw you know a different plan of Krishna, um, but when we you know we we get motivated and inspired, but when actually we go through distresses and stuff ourselves, our intelligence is just absorbed in you know how to get out of the distress, and you know we can't see Krishna's plan. So how to practically you know um, be able to apply that? principle in our lives. Uh, so, if we are going through distress, we focus only on trying to get out of distress, we don't see Krishna's plan over there. Well, I don't think the two are necessarily opposite. We can see our attempts to try to deal with that distress also as being guided by Krishna. My ability to face problems also comes from Krishna. Now says that Krishna says, Aham Aushadi. If I'm sick and I go to a doctor and take the medicine, the curative potency of that medicine comes from Krishna. So it is not that we have to stop looking for immediate solutions in order to think of Krishna. It is that we see that the immediate solutions also have that potency coming from Krishna. So Krishna can help us through many ways. And sometimes it can be through immediate solutions also. So Krishna consciousness means to see Krishna's role in all of reality. So as devotees, we may not immediately think of Krishna. We think, okay, this, this thing has happened, I have to do this to fix it. Okay, let's do it. Whenever our consciousness goes towards Krishna, remember it at that time. So let us say we are giving a class. We may be speaking about Krishna. But is it that even while speaking of Krishna, we are always remembering Krishna? Not necessarily. Prabhupada says, that when Arjuna was shooting arrows, it was not that Arjuna on the battlefield was shooting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. No. Arjuna was busy fighting. And he was absorbed. Fighting is a serious business. So, suppose, say, suppose we have we had some heart attack and we want some heart surgery to heart surgeries to be done. Now, would we want our heart surgeon to be chanting Hare Krishna while doing surgery? Or would we want our heart surgeon to do, focus fully on doing the surgery? What do you think? <laughs> Maybe if I were to die, then we had to be chanting Hare Krishna, I'll remember Krishna. But I don't want to die right away, I want to live. <laughs> so, if that heart surgeon is doing their job well, if we, if we were that heart surgeon, no, if we can remember Krishna well and good. But at that time, the heart surgeon should be remembering that my ability to do a surgery is coming from Krishna. And 
I, my life is devoted to Krishna and therefore what I am doing over here is also ultimately in a mood of service to Krishna. The Bhagavad Gita talks about Loka Sangraha. Loka Sangraha Mevapi Sampashyan Kartumarhasi. That each one of us has to do our duty for the maintenance of the world. That means that see, we, we take, for us to function in the world, so many things are required. And we don't arrange all those things. There are people who arrange those things. So those arrangements have to be made and that's a part of our duty in the world. So we can, you can see this duty, just I have to do it because I need to earn a living. Or you can see this ultimately, the world is maintained by Krishna and I have to play my part in that. So we don't have to segregate immediate solutions from remembering Krishna. As we keep practicing bhakti, we'll start seeing more and more that those immediate solutions also work by Krishna's potency. And the intelligence that helps us to come to immediate solutions also comes from Krishna. So yeah, do the needful for dealing with problems and try to remember Krishna whenever we can. Okay, thank you. Yes, Yashi Prabhu. Just one question on that example you gave for Srila Prabhupada that, you know, when he was not getting help from God Brothers, at that stage he thought, okay, maybe Lord wants me to focus on these devotees here. Now that particular thinking in this example that Lord wants me to focus on this and not abandon this project, how does that come? And, and isn't that coming from Krishna himself saying, okay, do this and not do this? And and person can as well think, okay, let's stop this project and go back. So okay. how does that work? Okay. So, when Srila Prabhupada, on not getting any response from India, thought that let me focus on the Western uh, seekers. So that thought, could another thought have come that let's just stop this? and go back to India. Could that also have come from Krishna? Yeah, possibly. For example, we see that when Prabhupada was trying to start the League of Devotees, at that time when he saw that there was not much support, Prabhupada said, just let's leave. So, we can also see that there are many things that Prabhupada started. Not everything was uh, always successful. Prabhupada started this political party, you know, in God we trust. And Prabhupada started with great fanfare. There are some lectures of Shila Prabhupada. He says, you know, now we have started a political party. Prabhupada says, one advantage of being in politics, in being of one advantage of being in politics is you can freely criticize other people. <laughs> <laughs> so they started it, but soon what happened was that um, uh, Prabhupada stopped talking much about it. So Balwant Prabhu, Prabhupada said, Balwant Prabhu, you can become the president of America. Prabhupada told him. So he said, Prabhupada, he came to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, are you not interested in the political party? Prabhupada said, I'm very interested, but don't ask me for any money. <laughs> because Prabhupada started the political party, but once he realized for campaigning, for how much funds are required, Prabhupada said that the funds that we have, we would rather use them for direct Krishna consciousness. So the point I'm making is uh, that, no, devotee, a devotee does not lose one's individuality while trying to serve Krishna. So Prabhupada tried them some things and when some things were working, he persisted. Some things were not working, 
he changed track course. So it is even though Prabhupada is a pure devotee, it does not mean that every single thing that he did was successful or equally successful or immediately successful. Prabhupada himself says in one of his letters to Sumti Muraji, now I am experimenting with various ways to try to introduce Krishna Bhakti to these Western people. So we have to again use our God-given intelligence. Yeah, if some service is not working, maybe that means maybe let me stop this service and do something else. Sometimes it could, but but the, the difference is a devotee never gives up the desire to serve Krishna. We may give up a particular service to Krishna. When I, that's why I said if we become unfavorably disposed toward Krishna, if our heart closes, what is the point of serving Krishna itself? We may think, okay, what is the point of doing this particular service? That's okay. We are all finite beings. And sometimes we may find that a particular service doesn't work so well for us. So we may decide, I don't want to do this, I'll shift to some other service. So there's a difference between service and service attitude. A devotee may give up a service, but a devotee never gives up the service attitude. Okay. Thank you. Any Vaishnavis have any questions? Okay, you have a question. Then we go there after last question. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Prabhu, you were mentioning three different points of how Krishna can be perceived as cause and all the three other points. So in, if you keep all these three points in mind, how do we see the verse Tattenu Kampa by Lord Brahma where he's saying, see everything, all the distress that's coming to you as mercy of Krishna? Okay. So we talk about Krishna as the cause, comforter and cure for suffering. When, when, if we, how do we see the verse Tattenu Kampa in the light of that? So let's look at that verse. Tattenu kampam susamikshamanu. That it is, I see your anukampa, susamikshamanu, with, with eyes that are guided. Bunjaneva atmakrutam That whatever suffering I am getting, it's atmakrutam. It is because of my own karma. But it is you, my dear Lord, you are minimizing that suffering. Now the second part of it is Daibhag. What is happening over here is that a devotee is maintaining one's relationship with Krishna. It's like, if I stay favorably connected with Krishna, then I stay like a child of Krishna and then I'll get the inheritance of returning to the spiritual world. So, the verse itself is not implicitly emphasizing, or not explicitly, explicitly emphasizing any particular role for Krishna's mercy over there. He's saying that that Atmakrutam Vipakam, these problems are coming by my problem, this, this, this distress has come by my own misdeeds. But Krishna, you are merciful. Namaste. So the key point is I stay favorably disposed towards you. So we could say that. That's the general, general reading of the Acharyas. Tattenu kampam susamikshamano bhunjaneva atmakrutam vipakam. Now, within the literal translation of the verse itself, there is no direct correlation between the first and the second line. That I see your mercy and I see my problems as coming because of myself. Therefore, I offer my obeisances to you and this way I will attain you. There are four points in that verse. There is the causal connection between the first and second Ashla Prabhupada explains this that my sufferings are coming because of my own misdeeds but you are minimizing those sufferings. So that is 
a devotee's understanding of that. But the point is, we could also say that we don't know how much our karma is. And sometimes we may feel that rather than minimizing my suffering, I did a small mistake and I'm getting so much into so much trouble because of that. Say, we may say that, why is this happening? So the point is that Krishna, I see your mercy in the fact that in spite of my mistakes and their consequences, I still have the opportunity to be in a relationship with you. My relationship with you is not lost. And I hold on to that relationship wholeheartedly. So basically, the turning of body, mind and heart toward Krishna, that is what is required. Now there is no mention of any particular vision. Is Krishna being seen as the cause of the suffering? Is Krishna, Krishna is being seen as, Krishna's mercy is being seen over there. Now is that mercy coming in the form of Krishna as the comforter, Krishna as the cure? I don't think that's mentioned explicitly. So yes, so the, the point is that we take responsibility for the distresses that are coming and we take responsibility also to stay connected with Krishna. Okay? Thank you. Yes, Mother. Yes. Uh, if we see some examples like um, the one in salted bread where we see um, the person who died and who gave up his life, uh, no, uh, yeah, so the person that gave up his life was beaten up by the police officers. And so the Prabhu that has, the author of the book has said that it was because he has punished so many devotees. So that's how we see it. That you know he had to go through a very uh, bad death in one sense, and at the same time we see other uh, exalted devotees also suffering, and uh, that also goes on for a long time. But we see that as Krishna's plan, and it's only them that can actually handle the situation in in that way. Does that mean that we are biased or fanatical in the way we look at it, um, as compared to? you know, Krishna's plan in our own lives, but we, we are seeing others' lives in such a way. Okay. Is my question clear or? Let me re-articulate the question. So, you're saying, suppose some devotee goes through a very uh, so painful, pain, pain, painful death or painful distress, and that devotee may say that, okay, maybe I have offended other devotees, maybe I punished others. That's why Krishna is making me go through this. But then we may see sometimes some great souls also going through such sufferings and the most other devotees won't be able to suffer, endure that. So, how do we see this? Is that your question overall? Is that fanatical or biased fanatical, as compared to biased? Krishna's plan? Well, you know, every person has an individual relationship with Krishna. And how Krishna may inspire a particular devotee in a particular relationship. Hmm? That may vary from person to person. That's why rather than thinking of something as fanatical or biased, we can see this is one way Krishna inspires a devotee. So one devotee may get cancer and they may decide, okay, I, you know, I don't want to go through this whole process of struggling to find a cure. I just want to go to Vrindavan. I want to live over there and I will spend my life over there. Other devotee may get cancer and they decide, you know, you know, there's so much more service I want to do to Krishna. So, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to find a cure and I'll continue my service to Krishna. 
So who is right? Is it that one is more surrendered than the other less surrendered? No. This Krishna can inspire different devotees in different ways. So when we get some suffering, is it because of some some things, wrong things which we have done? Well, maybe if that kind of analysis helps that devotee to become more humble in relationship with other devotees. I've heard devotees in the past. And therefore, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, therefore I shouldn't hurt devotees again, I should be humble. If that makes a devotee practically more, uh, a better, better functioning devotee now, that is good. But when we start looking for causations like that, sometimes that can be quite speculative and even harmful. I remember one devotee told me that, you know, today I was driving and my car broke down. And I know I didn't chant attentively in the morning, that's why Krishna caused my car to break down. <laughs> well, really, you know, Krishna is not a vengeful God who is just waiting to punish us for our indiscretions. You know, there could be so many other causes why your car broke down, you know. <laughs> now, if that makes you chant more attentively, yeah, maybe that's a favorable explanation. But is that an absolute explanation? You know, does that mean that you don't have to service your car? Does that mean that every time you shine attentively, you can guarantee that even your car is not serviced, it is going to work forever? Uh, no, it's not like that. So, there is a personal dimension hmm, to every devotee's relationship with Krishna. I remember once one, one of our senior leaders, he was very severely criticized by another leader. And then, as it is, maybe I asked him, Maharaj, why are you not responding to this? He says, you say, I am not an animal, I am not going to defend. So, I was a little taken aback by that. You know, that is one attitude. But then, you know, when other devotees came to the defense of that devotee, he accepted that, okay, you can defend. But there are other situations, that same devotee acted in a different way. He said, you know, if somebody, so they were criticizing something else or some other devotee, some other project, they said, no, we have to respond to this. So, we can't really say that how a particular devotee is inspired to serve Krishna, to see Krishna in a particular situation, that is the absolute way for everyone. That may not be absolute even for that devotee. Prabhupada, when there were problems in Jhansi, Prabhupada walked away from there. But when there are problems in Juhu, Prabhupada didn't walk away from there. Prabhupada said, if you want to, Prabhupada wrote in the letter to life member, this Mr. N wants to take this land, he will have to go over my dead body. So, there are there many different ways in which a devotee may see Krishna in particular situations. So, what will be fanatical will be, if we take the way one devotee sees Krishna and absolutize that everybody has to see Krishna in this way only. That was what will be fanatical. If a devotee is seeing Krishna in a particular way and that is nourishing their devotion. There's one devotee who, I'm an editor for Back to Godhead, so one of the editors, one devotee wrote an article about how Prabhupada was so humble. He says, Prabhupada said, we should not walk on grass because the grass is also a soul. And we should not step on grass. So I said, okay. He says, is it that Prabhupada never walked on grass any time? Well, there are many times when Prabhupada went on morning walks and he went in gardens. So he said that, no, but Prabhupada said this to me. Okay, maybe Prabhupada said that. Prabhupada said that for a particular point. 
we wanted to make him conscious that you know even grass are souls be aware of it but does that that, that doesn't make it an absolute principle so there could be something which prabhupada said in a particular incident and for that devotee there's a particular lesson over there so uh, the, a devotee may see krishna in a particular way so that devotee got a little angry are you saying that i am speaking a lie I said i'm not saying that you're speaking a lie but i'm saying that this cannot be a truth that we can publish in back to god magazine which applies for everyone so so we have to so so this is the individuality of the relationship with krishna or uh, in and different devotees will perceive krishna differently so there is a preference and there is a principle or you can probably call it principles and details i am using preference because i am talking more in terms of nature so different devotees based on their nature may prefer to respond in particular ways hmm. when there are some problems some devotees may say yes, tolerate it and live with it other devotees will say you know you know we need to fix this let's do this 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 now who is right who is wrong well it's not a matter of right or wrong in absolute terms what is right or wrong for the devotee according to their nature so based on one's particular preference a particular devotee may choose to fix a particular thing another devotee may choose to just live with it so fanaticism is when a matter of preference is made a matter of principle and you could go to other extreme like super liberalism is in a matter of principle is made a matter of preference so chanting hari krishna is a matter of principle now whether you sit and chant or walk and chant stand and chant uh, that is a matter of preference so if somebody starts making that to be attentive one devotee has given a class he said sitting and chanting in sattva guna standing and chanting is raju guna walking and chanting is tabba guna very interesting as i said what is sitting and sleeping then <laughs> sitting and sleeping while chanting what is that <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we have simplistic categories maybe for that devotee maybe they sit and that that devotee is able to chant better but that doesn't mean every devotee will be able to chant better while sitting only so this is matter of preference don't make it a matter of principle okay so thank you very much granthraj shrimad bhagavatam ki shila prabhu pad ki gaur bhakt bind ki jai hitai gaur premal